We're going to pray. Uh, would you stand with me? Uh, close your eyes, bow your head as we spend a moment with the creator of the universe. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Father, you are good, and we acknowledge you as God. Father, you're the God who sees, the God who hears, the God who knows, the God who has promised us that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and you are just, and you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. Father, in the days ahead, by your Spirit, give us the strength and the courage to ask ourselves, though I may repent enough to be forgiven, have I surrendered enough to change? Father, you are good. Why do we create yokes of our own that are so burdensome and uncomfortable? Why do we choose to carry heavy, unbearable burdens? Lord, you've told us that your yoke is easy, that your burden is light. Father, ask for strength in the days ahead. Lord, give us your spirit in fullness and remind us every day to stop and to gather in your presence and to listen for that still small voice. Father, instead of listening to what the enemy may be shouting, help us to stop and listen for your voice. Thank you for being so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Dave. Man. That was good, wasn't it? We are in day eight, like I said, uh, the beginning of week two. And uh, during 21 days of prayer, we've set out prayer focuses for every day and every week. Uh, And today I want to kind of introduce, not in my sermon, but introduce to you right now uh, the topic for the next week and the focus on the entire week. 
And um, the focus is intimacy with God. This next week, we want to focus on our intimacy with God, our relationship with him, grow in knowing him. And the, the focuses this week, each day, will we'll highlight and, uh, and hopefully expand on, uh, on that topic. So uh, we invite you to, uh, to join us, whether at home or in person, uh, 6 a.m. Even tomorrow, Martin Luther King Day, when the kids don't have school, we'll be here at 6 a.m. Uh, and then Saturdays at 9. So, uh, and Sundays at 9 and 11. So welcome to 21 Days of Prayer. We are in a series uh, that we started last Sunday uh, that I've entitled Shameless Prayers. Shameless Prayers. And, uh, you know, praying is, is a huge part of the, the Christian life. It's a huge part of, of putting our faith in Jesus. And uh, last week we talked about what keeps us from praying and uh, we talked about, uh, and I introduced this idea of shameless prayers because I believe that God wants us to pray shameless prayers. But oftentimes what happens is we pray shame-based prayers. And so we want to focus on removing the shame from our entire lives We've all struggled with shame. We all have some parts of shame in our lives. I do, you do, we all do. We have things because we're sinners. And um, last week was very foundational to this entire series. So I invite you, uh, if you didn't, if you weren't here, that you go to refugemain.church slash messages, go to iTunes. And um, I don't like this, but if, the best way to find it is if you type in my name, Adam Harold, uh, for some reason. Uh, if you type in the Refuge Church, you get a thousand different Refuge Churches, even though there's not that many of them. Um, you get Refuge Churches that don't even exist yet. Like, that's how many you get. Um, but if you type in my name, Adam Harold, H-E-R-A-L-D, then uh, you'll be able to, to get those messages. That's in iTunes. Um, it's not on Spotify or anything like that, just iTunes and our website. So... Um, today we're going to talk about what prayer accomplishes. What does prayer even accomplish anyway? Next week we're going to talk about the mistakes that we often make when we pray. And then week four we're going to talk about the most loving thing that you can do for someone else. And that's going to introduce us to our next series, which is going to be shameless relationships. Shameless relationships. And here's why. Because as human beings created by God, we have to get the vertical right before we can get the horizontal right. We have to get this right if this is going to ever be the way it's supposed to be. Oftentimes I've learned when this isn't right, the reason why is because this isn't right. When we can get the vertical right with God first, it fixes this, and it helps us with that. And so that's why we're doing shameless prayers before shameless relationships. Uh, shame is an inhibitory emotion. We talked about that last, last Sunday. It's an emotion that takes place in the mind, not in the body. 
And what happens in our minds when we feel shame is we get paralyzed. We become inhibited. We can't move forward in our relationship with Jesus because we have shame in our hearts or shame in our, in our, it's, it's in our minds, yes. But the Bible teaches us that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? So our hearts and our minds, they go together. So we have to eliminate the shame that Adam and Eve felt in the Garden of Eden when they sinned. We looked at Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, that says, At that moment their eyes were opened and they, were sun- and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The first emotion that man felt when it sinned, when it disobeyed God, was shame. And because it was the first emotion, it continues to be the emotion that we often feel when we commit shame or when we commit sin. We then looked at Luke chapter 11, and we looked at a story that Jesus told uh, after he teaches his disciples to pray. He tells a story about a persistent, a shameless, persistent friend that, um, that went to another friend because he didn't have the loaves of bread for, for another friend that was coming to his house. There's three friends involved. One friend shows up to another friend's house. He, he's not prepared. So he goes to another friend, and we read verse 8. That is really our theme verse for this entire series. It says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, If you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. I'm happy to report that no one called me or knocked on my door at at midnight this week. So if you were here last week, you understand that. Uh, No one called me at midnight. They might have texted me at midnight, but they didn't call me at least. And I wasn't interrupted. And are you guys, are you guys good today? Are you guys, you guys, like, no one's laughing. Hardly anyone sings. Like, are you, are you here? Like, (laughs) um, no one, no one showed up. So it's, it's all good. God wants us to pursue him with shameless persistence. He doesn't want us to be ashamed of how we feel when we approach him. But God also wants shameless prayers. He wants us to ask without shame. Can I take this a step further? Um, God also, if God wants shameless prayers, then he also wants shameless fasting. And um, God's teaching me a lot about fasting right now. And um, normally, if, if you've been around for the last six, seven years, uh, normally I'll, I'll, um, I'll fast for 21 days well, during the 21 days of prayer. This year, I, hallelujah, God didn't lead me to do that this year. But one of the reasons why was because I felt like, like in previous years, I was doing shame-based fasting, or I was doing it because I wanted a result. And those aren't the reasons to, to fast. The reasons to fast are to draw from our relationship with Jesus, that he is the, sustaining, the sustainer. He's the only thing we need in that moment. And so I've, I've started 
praying, uh, fasting the way Jesus taught us to fast privately. I don't announce when I do it. I don't tell others. I just draw from my relationship with Jesus. I think that as individuals, we should fast privately. It's between him and I. Corporately, there is a time, I believe, for a corporate fast, and maybe we'll get to that someday. But when it's done, it's done, number one, unified, and number two, with a purpose in mind. Unified and purposeful. And so I'm just, God's just, I feel like he's teaching me from his word, and, and I'm not listening to what other churches are doing. I'm not... I'm not going off of what other, what other people think. I'm going based on what I read from his word. And that's, that's how I'm approaching this whole 21 days of prayer this, this year. And it's transformed my heart. I hope it comes out in my preaching. Um, if anything, better than my jokes. So um, when it comes to our identity in Jesus, there's no room for shame. There's no room for it. The reason there's no room for it is because Jesus died for our, to take away our sin and our shame with it. And when our identity's in him, what it tells him is that his death wasn't good enough to get, maybe it was good enough to get rid of my sin, but not my shame. When we go to him with, with shameful prayers, so he wants us to approach him without shame in our hearts, without, without shame. And, uh, and so this morning I want to ask this question. What does prayer accomplish? What, what does prayer accomplish? Why do we do it? I believe that people stop praying and even stop believing in God because they don't know how to answer this question biblically. We try to answer it based on our feeling. Well, I just don't feel like God's hearing me when I pray. Come on, somebody. I don't just, I don't feel like God hears me. I don't feel like prayer is accomplishing anything. So why do I do it? I don't feel like God is even there when I talk to him. So why? And people leave the, the, the faith as a result of this one question. That's why it's so important that we answer it correctly according to God's word, not according to how we feel. The Bible addresses this in the book of James chapter 4. That's where I want to read this morning, and then we're going to go back to Luke 11 in just a moment. But you know how I like to do it. Before we read God's word about what we're going to, we've, we've looked at some verses that we've already looked at in the series, but I want to ask God to speak from this scripture today. Father, I thank you that your word will not return void. It's not going to come back false. It's always going to be true. I thank you that it's sharp and it pierces me. Lord, I pray that it would speak to my heart today and it would pierce me, that I would hear from your voice first, that the people in this room would hear from 
your voice first. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. You can read it on the screens with me. What, it, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they, come, uh, don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Why, don't you? why aren't you getting along with each other? Because they come from, like, like a lot of our disagreements come from the evil desires that are in our hearts. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. He's talking about his, he, he's talking about the vertical relation or the horizontal relationships. That's why this, this is why we have to talk about shameless prayers before we talk about shameless relationships, because he, he uses the relationships to get our attention about the vertical. You, you're at war with each other because of the evil desires in your heart and you're scheming and you're war and you're at war with each other because of your, because of your desire. Verse 2, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, here it is. Even when you pray, you don't get it because your motives were all wrong in the first place. You want only what will give you pleasure. We pray and we ask wrongly because we do it based on our pleasure and our passion. Don't worry. Hang with me because I've got good news about your passion and your pleasure and the things that you want. We'll get there in just a moment. A.W. Tozer said that prayer among evangelical Christians is always in danger of degenerating into a glorified gold rush. Wow. I'm going to read that again because that's good. Prayer among evangelical Christians is always in danger of degenerating. Do you understand what that means? It, he, it's in danger of, of minimizing to a glorified gold rush. Like the pursuit of, should I say prosperity? The pursuit of, of pleasure, the pursuit of wealth, the pursuit of what we want. I think Tozer is addressing what James is talking about here. We're asking according to our pleasure. God isn't a genie in the bottle that we rub the bottle by asking in Jesus' name. That's not how God works. He doesn't always give me my pleasure. But I'm happy to tell you this morning that prayer works. And the reason prayer works is because we have to have a formula 
That we have to understand that when we go to God according to his formula, we see results. And that leads me to today's big idea. The big idea for today is this. To pray is to change. To pray is to change. Period. Prayer changes me, but prayer also changes my circumstance. Prayer is the central avenue that God uses to change us. If you're not changing, ask yourself, what's your prayer life like? Richard Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, of Christian Discipline, says, the closer that we come to the heartbeat of God, when we pray, we're drawing to the heartbeat of God. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be comforted or be conformed to the image of Christ. The more, the closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we need and the more we desire to be conformed to Jesus. Prayer is change. To change is to pray. So to answer our question this morning, now don't go to sleep on me. We've got some more to talk about. But to answer our question of what does prayer accomplish, prayer accomplishes change. I'm thankful and I thank God for his word that doesn't leave us there. It doesn't leave us hanging and say, good luck with changing. He gives us a formula to help us in understanding the formula to produce change. I believe God showed it to me in his word in the chapter that we're studying today, Luke chapter 4. So the, 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 the verse that we looked at earlier, Luke chapter, four, uh, Luke chapter 11, sorry, I got, anyway, Luke chapter 11. The, the story that we looked at last Sunday about the persistent friend, the, the theme verse for this entire series is Luke eleven eight. However, in verses 2 through 4, Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. Read it with me, Luke chapter 11, verse 2. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. Now, a lot of you know this, this, this scripture from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. He, he gives them the words in Matthew 6. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You all went to CCD, you understand that. The, the Protestants in the room went, CCD, what's that? <laughs> Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and give us, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and do not let us yield to temptation. I think God showed me a formula of five W's that help us pray. Five W's that will help you pray. Number one, the first W, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, get out your notes and your phone and write it down. 
The first W, and I believe they go in order. We start with worship. The W of worship. Jesus said in verse 2, Father, may your name be kept holy. That's worship. Acknowledging God and who he is, that's worship. We don't just worship when we sing. Even though we're singing, we're acknowledging who he is. We also worship by acknowledging who God is by the way we live. One of my favorite books uh, about worship is called The Air I Breathe by Louis Giglio. Great, great book. Because it's about worship as a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. So if prayer is to change and we have to start with worship, what does worship change? Starting with worship and prayer changes my heart. So worship is, is the step and the change is my heart. It changes my heart. When I acknowledge who God is, it changes my heart and changes my perspective of him. But if I truly acknowledge who he is, I have to get my feelings out of the way. That's why we have to start by putting him on the throne of our hearts. When, when we sing, you're the king of my heart, and then we sing, you are good, we have to put him on the throne of our hearts before we talk about his goodness. Because acknowledging who he is changes us. It changes our hearts. When we pray, we always start with worship. I believe that this was the people that James is writing to. This was their problem. They didn't start with worship. They just went straight to the wants. They went straight to the pleasure. They went straight to whatever it was that they were going at war with each other about. They went straight to what they want and their pleasure instead of acknowledging God and who he was and aligning themselves with him. That's why the W's go in order. Number one is worship. It changes my heart. Number two is will. You go from worship to will. Now this one's a lot of fun. We're going to we're going to dive into this. Verse 2. May your kingdom come. May your kingdom come soon. This is God's kingdom. This is God's will. In Matthew 6, it's your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We have to, we have to allow God's kingdom to take over our hearts and our lives. What's fun about God's kingdom is who does God's kingdom involve? Who does God's kingdom include? It includes God because it's his, but it also includes all of us. We are a part of his kingdom on earth. We're, we're going to be a part of his kingdom on heaven, in heaven. Praying God's will also includes us, but what does will change? Prayer is change. And when I pray God's will, will changes my perspective. Worship changes my heart. Praying God's will changes my perspective. And I start to see things as God sees them. 
I heard a quote last week. I might have said it, I might have said it in last week's sermon. I, I know I said it during 21 days of prayer this week. The quote was this, how do you know God's will? You are there. How do you know God's will? It's where you are. It's what's happening. In other words, we can't stop God's will from happening. What happens is God's will. And the way we know it's there is that we are in it. Whatever we're going through, that's God's will. We have to acknowledge that. Will changes my perspective. Praying God's will changes how I see things. Maybe some of you need to start looking at prayer like you're working with God to determine the future. Because as I think about will and, 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 and I think about praying God's kingdom, here's what I see. It'll, it changes my perspective. This is going to ruffle some feathers because it, ra- it ruffled my Baptist feathers at first. But praying God's will also changes God's mind. Praying God's will also changes God's mind. Did you know that the scripture supports that God changes his mind? It says that he is the same yesterday and today and forever. It means, that means that when God changes his mind, he doesn't change his character. I don't know about you, but I can change my mind without changing my character and who I am. It's the same way with God. But he changed his mind. In the book of Jonah, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, When God saw that what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he saw their repentance, is what he saw. Keep reading. He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction that he had threatened. You want to change God's mind in your heart or in your, in your life and in your circumstances? Repent. When he sees our repentance, he, that can change his mind. The story in the book of Exodus chapter 32. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to read it because it's more lengthy than we have time for this morning. But in Exodus chapter 32, God says, I, that's it. I've had enough with these people. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses goes to God. And it says that God changed his mind about destroying the human race because of Moses' words. I would encourage you to go and read Exodus chapter 32. If you're reading the Bible recap with us and you started on on January 1st, we're going to read that on day 40, which is on February the 9th. So um, we'll get there in just a couple weeks. But... It's possible that our prayers can change God's mind. Praying God's will will change my perspective, but it can also change God's mind. So we start with worship, we go to praying God's will, and then number three, we get to our wants. We get to wants. Verse three, give us each day the food that we need. Now, I realize 
that it says need there. But I don't know about you, but I want my needs met. So we can go to God with what, what we want. Praying about my want changes my circumstance. Praying my wants changes my circumstances. Because prayer is change. I believe that it's okay to ask God what we want. That doesn't mean that he's going to answer it the way that I want. I've always been taught that there's three answers to prayer. Yes, no, or wait. Right? Yes, no, or wait. When I pray what I want, it's yes, no, or wait. When we pray God's will, it changes changes our perspective in the only way. Listen to this. The only way we can get to our wants is because we started with worship. We started with acknowledging who God is. And then we got to his will. And it changed our, it, this changed our heart. And listen, if that changed your heart, your shame is out the door. Changed our heart because we acknowledge who he is, and then we got to his will. We changed our perspective. We aligned ourselves with him. And then we get to our wants. And that's why it's number three on the list. Because when we pray our wants, it changes our circumstances, but our perspective and our heart are already in the right place. We are already where we're supposed to be. When we neglect worship and will before we get to our wants, we're guilty of exactly what James is talking about in James chapter 4. We're praying our pleasure and our passion. We have to align ourselves with him first. That's why we pray. That's why we go to God. Number four. So, so far, we've worshiped. We've willed. We've wanted, and now we wash. Wash. How do we wash? Verse 4, Jesus said, forgive us of our sins, and and we, as we forgive those who sin against us. Wash. Can you guess what it changes? I'm not going to ask you to say it out loud, but wash changes our burden. Worship changes my heart. Will changes my perspective. Want changes my circumstance. Wash changes my burden, the burden I carry. If we want to get rid of the burdens that we carry, we have to learn how to forgive. We have to. Praying for forgiveness of our sins and the sins of those that have sinned against us. It's forgiveness. But that burden of forgiveness was paid for by Jesus on the cross. And the reason 
Asking God to forgive me as I forgive those that have sinned against me is putting the burden on Jesus that already took care of the burden. We want you to walk out these doors this morning burden-free, but you can't get there without praying for forgiveness. Putting the burden on Jesus. One of the most difficult things about being a youth pastor for 12 years was teaching kids, adolescents, to forgive people that hurt them horrendously. Horrendously. The stories I could tell you about kids and trauma that they experienced because of someone else. Do you know how difficult it is to teach a kid that has experienced trauma or to teach an adult that who's experienced trauma that they have to learn how to forgive the person that has hurt them? That's a hard truth. But the reason we have to forgive is because we have to transfer the burden. You're not supposed to live with burden. You're supposed to give it to Jesus because he died to take it away. Stop carrying the burden. Give it to Jesus. When we pray forgiveness, it changes our burden. Can I teach you real quick something my, my counselor taught me here recently about forgiveness? He taught me how to forgive. He said, Adam, you first have to look at your history and ask God to reveal the sin that people have done against you to, to hurt you. Ask God to reveal it to you. Give, give you the names and what they did. And then ask yourself how that made you feel. What, what was the feeling you experienced? Why did you feel that way? And then ask yourself, final, last question. Ask yourself the message that you received because of it. What they did, who they were, what they did, the feeling you felt because of it, and then the message that you believe about yourself because of it. And then... You tell it all back to God. God, I come to you because I know that I need to forgive Tanya. I'm just putting a name in there. You're good, babe. You're good. <laughs> Put a name there. She really made me feel this. And this is what I believed about me because of that. But you say this about me. And you've already forgiven her. And because you've forgiven her, I can forgive her. That's the point. Forgive us as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Worship. Will. What was the third one? Once. Wash. Number four. Five. I can count. I love and I hate this one. 
Number five is war. Worship will once wash in war. Verse four. Don't let us yield to temptation. This is where we go to war with Satan because God doesn't cause the temptation, Satan does. So we go to war and the Bible teaches us that no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. That I can go to war with the temptation that I experience with my shameless prayer. And war changes my mindset. War changes my mindset. We have to change the way we think. If we're going to get rid of our shame, we have to go to war with our temptation because it takes place. They all take place in the mind. Let me show you how we do this in Romans chapter 12, verse one and two. The apostle Paul, man, the apostle Paul knew God better than anybody else, in my opinion. That's why he wrote most of the New Testament. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Your bodies, let them be a holy sacrifice. The kind that he will find acceptable. This is the true way to worship. This is truly a way of, to, to worship him. Verse two, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How are we transformed? By renewing our mind. When we ask God to transform us, we're asking him to renew our mind. We're going to war with temptation by renewing our mind. Then you will know, learn to know God's will for you which is good and pleasing and perfect. We have to change the way we think and the way we change the way that we think is by going to war with our temptation, asking God to help us to overcome it, change our minds. But God is the only one that can change our minds and it all goes back to worshiping him for who he is. Stand your feet, I wanna pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now, here's the question. We pray, prayer accomplishes change. Change in me, change in my circumstance. We have the formula now, but what are we gonna do with it?
in a minute we're gonna we're gonna sing. But this is the most important part of this this whole service. This, this, can I can I go on? Can I say this is the most important part of your day? Maybe even the most important part of your week. What are you gonna do with it? My friend Linda and my friend Dave are are here and they, they want to pray with you. If you need help with forgiveness, let me encourage you to go with to one of them and to, to ask them to, to pray with you. By the way, if, on the prayer cards in, um, in front of you, those if you flip them over, the cards in front of you, you flip them over, there's a part to write prayer requests. Last week, I'd like to, to, to announce that we received the most prayer requests that we have. 21 days of prayer is something that we're going to focus this on. We should do it every week. But I've prayed for those, those all week long. Dave has prayed for those all week long. Our prayer team, unless you wrote, write confidential on it, we won't give it to anybody else. There's no reason not to pray with someone else. But there's also no reason not to pray yourself by giving it to God, leaving it at the altar. Maybe you have the name of someone in your mind that you need to forgive. Come forward and and just leave it at the altar and just get up and burden free. Maybe you need something, you need to ask God his will to change your perspective. Maybe you, you have a deep desire, a want. God can give you that want. Maybe you've been waiting long enough and you're like, God, I, I'm, I'm tired of waiting. Would you show me this week? Maybe you're at war with, with each other, with, with someone in, in, that, that's here. Go to them, get it right. Life's too short on this earth. Get it right, give it to him. If you're here, the most important thing that we do is we choose Jesus because he died for us to save us of our sins. I don't feel led to have people raise your hand and pray. I feel like there's so much more going on. But the most important thing that you take care of this morning is giving your heart to Jesus. I'm gonna say a prayer in a moment. And if you say this prayer with me, let me ask, let me invite you, fill it out on the card, come and see me afterwards and say, I said that prayer with you. Just say, God, I know I've done wrong. I know I need Jesus who died for me, died for my sin and came back to life on the third day to give me a new identity in Jesus. Come into my life. Forgive me for the way I've I've sinned. In Jesus' name I pray. I want to pray for us this morning. Father, I thank you for your word that teaches us how to pray. That we can worship you for who you are. Your name is Holy. 
Your name is set apart. It's completely different. There is no other name like the name of Jesus. It's the name that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to. We worship you this morning. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, God, that we would pray your will for our lives, that we would walk in your will for our lives. Father, that we would change our perspective in how we approach life. Father, we ask that you would give us our wants and our needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Father, I pray for people that are in this room. I want them to come to know Jesus. Father, I want this church to make an impact in this world. I have so many wants, but God, I just want what you want. I align myself with you. I want what you want. And God, I ask that you forgive me of the things that I've done wrong against people, but against you first. Father, forgive my sins, the things that have been in my life that don't need to be there because they're not holy. Forgive me by the blood of Jesus. And Father, we know that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And so, Father, we ask that this week when we're tempted, that we would be able to yield to it and we would be able to resist it, that we would tell Satan that he has to run in the name of Jesus because he is a defeated dog and he's got to go. He has no say in my home, no say in my church, no say in my life. He's got to go. He's not welcome here. Father, I pray that you would be with us this week as we worship you, Father. If anyone needs to come and needs to do business with you, needs to ask for forgiveness, needs to forgive someone else, God, I pray that they would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.